well. Isn't it great to take communion together? I, I love the togetherness of it. Even when we're at home, that we're coming together as a church around the table, remembering Jesus, who's our living hope. And we don't have any old hope, do we? It's not any old hope. The hope we have is not wishful thinking. It's not a negative hope. It's not a vain hope. Let's just pray. Thank you, Father God, for your guidance and for your help. Thank you, Lord, that even with all these restrictions, we can stand before you free to worship, free to pray, free to sing, even online. I pray for those even in this country who are restricted by family or fear or maybe their own faith community from freely worshipping. And, and I ask that you'd find a way for everybody to freely worship you, those who've been gripped by all sorts of distractions. Please open our hearts, Lord, to the truth and help us to look to you first and foremost. And Lord, as I preach today, I pray that you would fill my mouth. I pray that whatever I say today would honour you and that, Lord, it would be received in, in the way that uh, you want it to be received, Lord. So we've had such a great journey through Hebrews, haven't we? You know, these past few weeks, we've gone through booklets, listened to messages, and we've had some really good feedback on Facebook. You know, that message of, of Jesus runs through Hebrews, and it's great, the whole message is running, running the race, growing, helping others to find that hope we, ha we have in Jesus for themselves. And we need that hope so much right now. Men, women, governments, leaders, we're all human and we fail all the time, we mess up. But when we fully place our hope in Jesus, we learn from the source of grace how to be gracious to each other. And when I've looked at social media, it's not a very gracious place. And yes, it's a lifeline, isn't it, to so many people. And it's how we're interacting in this physically distanced world. And what have you noticed? It's like everyone's angry. So, and the Bible prophesied that things like that would happen, brother against brother, nation against nation, quarrelling arguments over doctrine, over belief. It's not private either. People are drawing others in, building their own little armies. But let's come out and be separate to all that. Jesus says in Matthew 18, verse 15, this is not the right way for us who are part of his kingdom. He says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens and pays attention to you, you've won your brother back. And then in Titus 3, verses 1 to 2, Paul says about the church, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work and to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. I'm not seeing much of that. It's, it's not prevalent. And Proverbs takes it a step further in 18 verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. So why don't we share in David's prayer when he said in Psalm 19 verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So yes, the media in general, it thrives off bad news. And sometimes we join in, especially right now, because 2020 is mad. It's been so different. 
But you know what? God is not shocked by this year. He's not shocked by 2020. It's not surprised him like it surprised us. Do you think he's worried? Do you think he's anxious? Disappointed maybe? But it might not be about what's happening, but our responses to each other through that. But you know, I'm here to tell you that praise God, there is hope. And I'm so glad and grateful that the hope we have as Christians is a living, breathing hope. It's not reliant on someone or something that can let us down easily. It's reliant on Jesus. So if you've got your Bible with you, please turn to 1 Peter verse, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is some hope. Wow. I, I, it's a hope that takes, that through Jesus takes us to an eternal and pure inheritance. It never loses its beauty. We're guarded through faith in God's power no matter what happens. So let's pick it up again in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It's a similar message, isn't it, to the one we've heard throughout the Hebrews series. Don't fall back into old ways, keep moving forward. Remember the grace and the mercy that brought you here. Be holy. And this is such a beautiful picture of hope. Even when things come against us, God's got this. Even when we're tempted, seek Jesus and be holy. He's with us. You see, when we're looking towards the goal, the obstacles on the way don't seem so big anymore. There are two types of hope and there's a huge difference between the living hope that we have and an earthly hope, which the Bible scholars call a vain hope. It can be easy to confuse the two. And it will be go, you know, go so far to say that an earthly vain hope is based on the unbiblical idea of luck. It's the counterfeit of living hope. An earthly vain hope is a useless, lifeless hope and can be summed up in a little list like this. See if you can recognise this type of hope in your own speech. I know I definitely do, I'm speaking to myself. So it's full of negativity and impending doom. Oh no, I hope I don't catch it. It exp expresses worry, I hope I don't fail, or I hope it works. It's depressing and it's fearful, all we can do now is hope. And we even say it in a morbid way, don't we? I hope so. It's a great way to speak negatively and get away with it. 
Is it feeding the fear of something? Are we giving failure a chance or even a foothold? And since when did we need to be afraid? Let's, let's be honest. Do you know that, and I'm sure many of you do, that do not be afraid is written in the Bible 365 times. We've got a do not be afraid for every day of the entire year. So speak faith, we're saved, we're children of the Most High God. But living hope, look at the difference, feel the difference. Living hope is positive. It says it's already sorted. There's faith, there's not fear. In fact, there's no fear at all, it's strong. Living hope says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's Psalm 27 verse one. And this one, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13 verse six. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, Jeremiah. 29 11. In my concordance, the word hope in the Greek is elpis, and it's always used in a good sense, a positive way. And this is how it's translated the joyful, confident expectation of eternal salvation. That's hope. True hope doesn't bring dread, it's not coming out of dread, it brings joy and it brings peace. And Romans 15 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to confirm the two types of hope, Hebrews 7, back to Hebrews, verse 18 and 19 says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. The living hope we have draws us nearer to God. We may go through some awful times, and we do, and it doesn't mean that we can't acknowledge those or brush them under the carpet. That's just unhealthy. But if we have that living hope, you'll only hope in God. He may use others to help you, like doctors or friends or whatever, but ultimately, he's our only hope. It's that strong, it's that strongly linked to faith. The more we hope, the greater we draw near, faith just grows. And hope, it's an evangelist. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3 verse 15. But in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. How marvellous it is when we have faith in the face of adversity. When everyone around us is worried and we see God's hand on something, it amazes those who don't have that hope. And through that witness, though we acknowledge there might be a problem, we still have peace. They go one step closer to knowing God and that's really precious and really important. Our hope in God is secure because he never fails. Even when we fall, when we stumble, he's there. He strides in to lift us back onto our feet. Isaiah 63 verse one says this, who is this coming from Eden, from Bosra, with his garments stained crimson? Who is this robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of his strength? It is I proclaiming victory, mighty to save. 
It's a prophetic picture of Jesus striding in to save us. I love this verse. There's a romanticism to it. It's a king who loves us with robes of splendor, stained with his own precious blood, victorious from the cross. And he did that for you. Hope, we've heard, is a confident expectation, a desire for a particular thing to happen. But as I've looked closer, I've read some other great definitions. It's a feeling of trust, optimism, a light at the end of the tunnel, the promise of something good. Hope is grounds for believing something good will happen, will happen, not might happen. But it can also mean, and this is very interesting considering the verse we've just read, a person or a thing that may help or save someone. That was one of the, the you know, interpretations of hope. There's a verse that I used to find really sad because it actually it describes so many people around us and it's Proverbs 13 verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I once felt a bit like that. In fact, someone said it to me while my marriage was falling apart. It was a time of grief. And I think this does speak of grief. You might feel like this, that you've had the hope, the better hope, the hope rooted in faith, but it feels like it's all just come to nothing. So I started to unpack that phrase. What actually does it mean? Does it mean that all hope is lost? No, deferred. It doesn't mean lost, it means postponed. We've got a massive problem with waiting in this time, haven't we, in this culture. Even in a traffic jam, we lose hope about something that we needed to do. You know, even in a, we just, we can't cope with waiting. But actually, when we lose hope, we do grieve. We grieve more than we're, what we're hoping for. Something feels like it's dying. But take courage, it's not. God does work in mysterious ways. He hasn't forgotten his promises. He might just be doing it in a different way. He's never gonna leave you or forsake you. The winter, any good gardener will tell you, serves to make the roots go deeper. The trees are strengthened from the roots when they're not putting the energy into producing leaves and fruit. Things feel dry, lonely and fruitless sometimes, but the wilderness periods are good for us. We learn and we grow and we, we get hungry more in those times. You know, as people of faith more than any other, we mature as Christians then. So we get to go and do it again. Just remember the hope is not gone. It's not died. The hope is alive. We only see that first part of the verse. Hope deferred makes the, the heart sick. Like all hope is lost. And who said it was lost? It doesn't say it's lost. It's so hard to wait and worries do creep in. But there is a next part to that verse. That's only half of the story. The next part of the verse says, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And that's a beautiful picture of fulfilled hope. There's a happy ending for us because of Jesus. He's the very incarnation of living hope. Whatever happens, eyes on God. Do what he says to do. If he seems silent, find out what the root of your need is and search it out in the Bible. Speak to others. Life groups are like a lifeline when you feel like that. Plan time with God in your day, if it's even if it's 10 minutes. Or even plan a day with God. We write lists and plan for everything else. Jesus took himself off to be alone with the Father and, and so should we. 
Let's start being intentional about spending time with God in prayer. Not reeling off jobs for him to do for you. He's God. But listening and meditating on his word and worshipping. The times I've got closest to God, the periods I've grown the most are when I've had a season of set times with God. Some of these have coincided with my toughest ever times, but then often that's when we draw the line in the sand and we get serious. Dawn Cherie Wilkerson from Voo Church puts it this way, be intentional to pause and plan time to be with God. Put it in your diary and on the calendar. So remember, vain hope is negative, false hope. Look out for it, creeps in, it's sneaky. Living hope is eternal and full of promise. And finally, deferred hope. Well, it's just temporary, postponed. The end is glorious, a tree of life, healing. God's got this, he fills us with hope. So, coming back to what Paul said to the Romans when he blessed them in 1513, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. As I finish, if you've never asked God to save you or forgive you, if you want that living hope, that better hope, that brings a deeper joy and peace than you could ever imagine. If you want to place your hope in what Jesus did at the cross, taking all the punishment that was meant for you, this is your moment, the time is right for you. If you want to do something, you can stand or place your hand on your heart, but please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask for your forgiveness and now turn from everything which I know is wrong. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me to set me free from the consequences of my sins and giving me a living hope. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you made that decision, write down the date. It's a date you don't want to forget. And then let us know. Message us. We'd love to pray for you, connect with you. And I just want to thank you so much for listening. And, you know, please leave some, you know, encouragement in the comments. Have a great week.